experience. What? So I've got this shelf in my office slash makeshift studio uh, that we have a couple of collector cans of Coke on, two of them being cans of new Coke that, uh, granted, they're not like from the 80s or the 90s, right? They are from the re-release whenever Stranger Things Season 3 came out. Well, she came in to my office to say, hey, I'm going to go get coffee. Do you want anything? Blah, 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 blah. And saw that there was Coke all over my shelf and wondered what happened. So we're looking and we don't find anything because we have two cans of new Coke. And then we had two collector Stranger Things glass bottles of just uh, one regular Coke and one Coke Zero, right? Uh, yeah. We figure like, oh shit, maybe one of the glass bottles has a hairline fracture because Tim, this shit was everywhere and we're cleaning it up. We get the glass bottles downstairs into the tub and we're cleaning it up. And then she's like, I still feel it misting. What is going on? <laughs> so we are wiping the shelf closer to the cans and there is the tiniest little puncture in the, in the side of one of these cans. I don't know how it happened, but it must have literally just happened whenever Weird. she came into the office and, and did something. I don't know. Open the door, maybe. <laughs> but, like, it's it's nowhere near where the door is. I don't, I don't know how it just all of a sudden got a puncture in the can. Just developed this little pinhole in it. Yeah, smaller than a pinhole. <laughs> Like, I, I'm, I'm walking down the stairs with this can. It's spraying me in the face. And I said, I'm covered in Coke. I'm like Hulk Hogan in the 80s. <laughs> That's crazy. I have uh, I have the same. I got the same collector's edition. I think I opened one of the Coke, new Coke cans. So whatever is still, I think that's all I open though. So something is still in there that who knows? Maybe I have yeah. the same little uh, tiny little <laughs> mist hole opening up in mine too. But luckily, it's still in the box. But again, I well, hopefully, hopefully you, hopefully you don't have it surrounded by like uh, beloved wedding photos or or books <laughs> or yeah, or photo crazy. strips of dates with your wife before you were married. Yeah, all sticky. Yeah, thankfully nothing was sticky. It was just covered in Coke. I, I don't know what happened. But it's going to be sticky if it's covered in Coke. We wiped it off. Like, oh, okay. we, we, we towed it off with a paper towel and then uh, rubbed a antibacterial wipe on it, and it's totally fine. Oh, good, good. Thank goodness. All right. Well, we both have ghosts <laughs> in the machine this morning, whatever it is, because, yeah, I had my laptop problem that, again, I don't know why it happens, and I don't know... Why, how I figure, I always just like unplug it and then uh-huh. turn it down and then take the battery out and put it back in. And then it usually works after that. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. All right. So should we just get going? Might as well. Why not? Yeah. We'll have a short intro this week. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it all depends on the length of our homework. That's true. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 7, Episode 19, The Calzone. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode? Uh, And we'll start with Clearly Canadian. What is the deal with that? I knew a little bit about it because, as I mentioned, when we saw Jerry hand it to Elaine and they're both holding the label so it is clearly, uh, to turn a phrase, facing the camera... Uh, I was like, oh, my sister mm-hmm. used to drink these. By I remember going into the pantry, and there were like just cases on cases. We looked like a distributing uh, center <laughs> for Clearly Canadian in oh, the yeah. late 90s. Uh, it was a, a it still is actually a brand of flavored and unflavored sparkling and spring water founded in 1987 in British Columbia, Canada. So it's not just a witty name. It actually is Canadian. It is clear, clearly Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it is clearly. It works on so many levels. Uh, so clearly <laughs> Two, Canadian, to be exact. They were huge in the 90s, and they experienced broad corporate mismanagement uh, during much of the last decade that led to it being acquired by a turnaround team in 2012. Large-scale commercial production has resumed again in Canada after a number of limited short production runs during the 2012 to 2014 period. There's actually only one year, I don't remember when it was, like 2004 or something like that, since 1987 that Clearly Canadian has not been produced. and. Mm. That's partly because of what I mentioned last week. They crowdsourced a comeback uh, that pre-sold in excess of 25,000 cases. And as I mentioned, Rhett and Link, hosts of Good Mythical Morning, played a major role in promoting the campaign, attempting to bring back the beverage of their childhood. Uh, Rhett and Link later gave an update via YouTube comment 
that they had severed ties with Clearly Canadian after having a frustrated relationship with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I I, want to know more about that. I want to know what severed the relationship or or what what was so frustrating. Yeah, it seems pretty ambiguous, but I I didn't go read the YouTube comment or watch the video or anything like that, so... But, uh, you know, you being a fan, you might be able to, I think when I, yeah, it's, all, it's like all linked from the Wikipedia page, I think. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I might, uh, I might do some, some extra research on this. An extra dive below the pool. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going Mariana's trench level deep. <laughs> yes. Uh, by 2017, Clearly Canadian was producing at national levels in both Vancouver and Montreal. So Clearly Canadian is back. I got to admit, though, I haven't seen it anywhere. I think I would have noticed this. Either that, or maybe I just maybe I haven't noticed it. I don't know. Next time I go to a gas station <laughs> or something, I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to see. You know, it's gonna be like the search for Dunkaroos last year, where yeah. you can't go and look at like a Walmart or a Target or something. You have to go and look at like a, a, General a yeah, like or, oh, I was gonna yeah. say like a designated grocery store. Like Walmart and Target uh, won't have it, but Wegmans and Giant Eagle will. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna you're not gonna find it at like fucking I don't know the store where you go for everything, but uh, like, what's, what's a West store. Coast store? But you're gonna find it at a Vons. You're, you're gonna find it at an Albertsons yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. You might find it at a Dwayne Reed. Uh, you might find it. At, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just naming regional stores. <laughs> you might find it at a Menards. Uh, you might find it at. Um, I don't you know. might find it at a Publix. <laughs> yeah, Publix. Thank you. <laughs> God, Publix rules. <laughs> I went. I went to a Publix in Florida. I think that's the only state I've been to a Publix in. Where really? Where are they? Are they? You, yeah. you lived in the South. How are you only in a Publix in they Florida? Didn't have, let me see. What do they have? in oh, we had Kroger. We had oh, Kroger. Oh, what was it? Yeah, Kroger. I think was our main okay. go to in. Uh, yeah, but you might find Dunkaroos at a Martin's. I want to bring that one up. That's a good. Oh, thing. Martin's. Oh my god. Martin's is boss. I. I'm. We. We lived near Martin's in Virginia, and it yeah. was the best. We had a Martin's in my hometown. It opened in Dubois, PA. Are you uh, serious? Yes. Uh, and it was incredible. Like, it, it was, especially, like, in 2002 when it opened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It was, like, the peak of, like, I don't know, technology in a supermarket. Yes. And it's the first place that gave me gas Ooh. points. Like, they had a gas Whoa. station and... Yeah, that's the first place I ever, like, where, you know, you shopped. You're like, hey, we'll give you 10 cents off for every 100 bucks you spend or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is revolutionary. Yes, and it was. I mean, I still I still won't go to a gas station that doesn't give me <laughs> a, an incentive to do that. Besides, my car is still running. That's that's the first incentive. <laughs> um, so uh, that that's all I have for Clearly Canadian, but keep an eye out for it. And if Ted and I were still around, maybe we would have even tried it. But I'm sure it's just seltzer. Yeah. Is it Celta? Celta. Oh my god. <laughs> uh are you are you a fan of, of the seltzers, by the way? Like Sarah drinks them constantly. Like I forget her favorite brand. LaCroix? Um, bubbly? Um no. Polar? I think maybe maybe polar. I think I've seen some of that in there. I can't remember. Is she a polar girl? It's like uh, it's like Whirlpool City or something dumb like that. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, I, I I've tried to get into them. Grace loves them. But, and this is not my original joke, I know, shocker, but there's a, a really good comedian who said one time, it's like, drinking one of those is like someone trying to remember what a flavor is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, always I, liked- I, I know I'm butchering it, I, I but I don't remember the exact setup, but I... I want to like them because they're everywhere and there's so many flavors of them, but I drink one and it's like, this tastes like a watered-down Jolly Rancher. Uh, we wanted to know the Wigmaster, who the actor was that played the Wigmaster, because we both recognized him from various places. Uh, you recognize him from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, uh, <laughs> where he played Patrick, which is his real first name. He is Patrick Bristow. He's 58 years old, born in L.A. And yeah, he was on nine episodes of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, playing uh, the, uh, the aforementioned Patrick. uh i recognized him i think i mean just like from everything he did i mean he was in friends he was in ellen he was in mad about you he was in austin powers he had a little bit part in that as uh the virtue con tour guide bolton uh i vaguely remember that little segment uh he was oh he has a couple of other um 
Disney credits too. He was on an episode of That's So Raven playing Ooh. Tony. Yeah, and he was on an episode of Zoe One Hundred and One, which I think it was Nick. Is that right? Was that a Nickelodeon one? Yeah, or was that yeah, okay. that was Nick. And that he played Mister Fletcher in episode The Play. So yeah, just just a dude that has worked like everywhere and and done everything. Just one of those guys. So yeah, Patrick Bristow. Uh, the parking lot attendant gives Kramer a Mary Kay car. So what's the deal with Mary Kay cars? Well, in 1968, Mary Kay Ash purchased the first pink Cadillac from a Dallas dealership. The first Mary Kay pink Cadillac. I don't know if it was the first pink Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was because it was repainted on site to match the mountain laurel blush in a compact Ash carried. So, yeah, maybe it was the first uh, Mary Kay colored pink Cadillac like that. The Cadillac served as a mobile advertisement for her business, and the following year, Ash rewarded the company's top five salespeople with similarly painted 1970 Coupe de Ville Cadillacs. GM has painted over 100,000 custom cars for Mary Kay. Mary Kay has used different car incentive levels for its consultants. So you, it's not just a Cadillac, a pink Cadillac that you can get. Um, if you, you can earn a silver Chevy Malibu or a cash compensation of $425 a month if you don't Ooh. want the car. You can earn a black Chevrolet Equinox or Traverse or a Mini Cooper or $500 a month. Top-performing independent sales directors can choose between the pink Cadillac XT5 or XT6 or a cash option of $900 a month. Damn. And, yeah. And, and here's the thing. When you get the car, you have to keep hitting that goal every single month or <laughs> you have to pay a portion of the lease for that month if you don't meet the qualifications. Oh my god, every single month? So yeah, so if you, you know, I mean if you're normally banking what it takes to get that $900 a month Cadillac XT5 and you don't hit it, you know, you only make 400 bucks that month or something, I think you're on the hook for that $500 part of the lease. Jesus Christ. Your leases too. So you you give them back as as <laughs> as far And I know, like, driving with Uber, and I, I think Lyft mostly with Uber, there's um, there's different perks when you reach, like, different tiers, but you don't have to keep reaching those perks every month. It's every quarter. So yeah. they, they give you a lot more leeway than that. But holy yeah. shit, every month. I know, I know. I, I hate, you know, it, it's far from you know, selling thousands of dollars worth of Mary Kay. But it reminds me of um, Sheets's, again, to go back to regional stores, Sheets's loyalty plan where, like, you have to keep... Like, I attained Sheets freak status at some point. And then you have to, like, keep ordering Sheets, like, all the time to keep your points above a certain level. And then once they fall below a certain level, I'm like, I'm just Sheets friend at this point, I think is literally what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only friend of Sheets. I'm not a freak. Sheets. I'm not a freak uh, in the sheet. (laughs) God damn it. It makes me think uh, another gas station around here, Gecko, they started like uh, incorporating, hey, now your points are going to have expiration dates. And they tried to paint it as this like big positive like thing, (laughs) this big positive addition to their perks campaign. And everyone's like, no, why are you doing this? (laughs) I didn't notice that. I probably have uh, zero perks now. Yeah. Well, I, I always blow them pretty much on gas, like right away. Not maybe not right away, but I, I save up. I save them up a little bit, and then yeah. Well, now but they I, only they only last like six weeks now. Jeez, or something. I loved it. That that used to be the case, and then they got rid of it. So they must have brought it back because I remember sometimes you'd go to um, the grocery store and they'd say, "All right, you have uh, you know a hundred a hundred. You have ten cents off of gas, and it expires in a week or something like that." Like they tell you the expiration date, or at least I'd get cashiers that did that, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2011, a solid black Ford Mustang was introduced as an incentive. In 2014, a black BMW was introduced in its place. Ooh. Although the pink Cadillac remains the top reward for those distributors whose units purchase over $100,000 or more in a year. So that's the uh, you have to you have to be a distributor who purchase units of $100,000 or more in a year to get that pink Cadillac. So Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know that's the top tier. Yeah, pretty crazy. What is the deal with the fact that Elaine had a questioning look on her face when Craig mentioned that the Nicole Miller dressers, uh, dresses are coming from Milan? They had to order more from Milan. And we were like, Elaine knows more. And she was about to call him on it when Ian 
steps out of a restaurant and they have their little exchange. Uh, so in 1986, Miller, uh, Nicole Miller, who's a real person, real designer, opened her first shop on Madison Avenue in New York City. And today, or at least according to this article from Business Insider in 2016, the company is one of the few designer labels that still works and produces its collections in New York City. So literally the the, the factory, I mean, it's, it's hardly even you'd call it a factory. I mean, it's like a, just a big floor full of seamstresses and stuff. It's literally in the heart of Manhattan. It's like in the garment. Uh, a majority of the clothes it sells are still made in New York. Nicole Miller takes up the 19th and 20th floors of the building on 7th Avenue in the heart of the garment district. And the company has been in that space since 1991. So it had oh already been God. there years. It, it, Nicole Miller had been making her clothes steps from where Elaine and Craig were talking for years at that point when he was like, oh, yeah, they got to come from Milan. So it was definitely bullshit. And as we dig into that, uh, you know, it gets to be a little bit better of a joke. I like that. <laughs> but is the fact that she made makes her clothes in New York City that common of knowledge? I wouldn't think so. No, but for Elaine for working Elaine, in the fashion industry, that that's like that, that that's industry knowledge, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's odd that they didn't explain it to normies like us who don't know that nicole miller's made in america or maybe mm, maybe true. we're just maybe we're just dudes who you know i mean i i shop at the gap i know that's made in america well <laughs> probably not probably, probably not Vietnam or something yeah <laughs> now that i'm thinking of it just be tim just because they have american flag t-shirts doesn't mean they're yeah. made in america oh wait I'm, 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 I'm thinking of old navy i mean they're the same company so yeah it's definitely taiwan or, or something like that uh, so Castaway, the the last little bit of homework we wanted to know was whether my buddy Peyton, who walked out of <laughs> Castaway with me when Tom Hanks got rescued, I want to know if he'd ever seen the end of it. And, and he says he doesn't remember when, but eventually he did because he remembers the crossroads at the end of the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so question answered. Uh, we do have a little bit of uh, trivia and tidbits and stuff like that. Uh, Zach Pfeiffer plays Bob, the manager of the Andover shop in this episode. I called him. Uh, I think Kirkland brand Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Uh, and he previously provided the voice on the other end of the telephone call Jerry made in episode 15 of this season, the hot tub when requesting a wake up call. So he's the one that like they, they check into a hotel and, you know, the, the wake up call guy's a little snooty and, and Jerry's worried that he offended him and he's not going to get the wake up call. So they go out of the hotel. They leave the hotel and go back to <laughs> Jerry's apartment, I think. So. That was him. Uh, Wait, doing is, that voice. is that the wake-up call that people thought was Peter Dinklage? I think so. I couldn't corroborate that, but let me see what... Uh, I should have searched this earlier. Peter Dinklage. Every, everyone, everyone on the internet's like, oh my god, Peter Dinklage had a Seinfeld cameo that you never knew of. Yeah. And no one can really determine if it was actually him or not. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain that it's not because all these websites just are links back to each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me see. It's it's the internet version of the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, it really... Peter Dinklage Seinfeld. Let me see. So supposedly... Oh, supposedly he's the voice of Elaine's wake-up guy, I think, who... She starts dating or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. Different wake-up guy. But he didn't play the actor, yeah. Okay. Different wake-up call guy. Yeah, different, different. But I'm still not, I'm still not convinced that's Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I want to hear it from Peter Dinklage himself. While she mostly played bit parts... Oh, I wanted to look up um, the actress who played... I thought it was January Jones for like a split second. But the actress who played the um, prostitute in the episode... What episode? What was the title of the episode? <laughs> um, the Wigmaster. The Wigmaster. Yeah. Uh, her, her name is Gina Mastrogiacomo. And she mostly played bit parts in B-movies. But she had a huge role as Ray Liotta's mistress... In Goodfellas, the Martin Scorsese movie from 1990. Uh, she was also in The Naked Gun Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear in 91. And I remember, like, so they go into a sex shop because I think they, they, trace, a oh, they trace a rental van to there. And, um, you know, and all the cops, like, storm in. And she's, like, showing a lot of cleavage. And she goes, this, she goes, is this some kind of bust? And Leslie Nielsen goes, yes, it's very impressive, but we're here on business or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was a pretty witty joke. But here's the crazy thing about it. Let me bring us down. Uh, she died in uh, 2001 at 39 of a rare bacterial heart infection. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I was, like, just shocked to find that out. So, uh, yeah, just weird. Uh, the episode was inspired at the time uh, by Spike Ferriston's 
live-in girlfriend. So Spike Ferriston wrote this episode, and he had a girlfriend, and her wig master friend literally stayed as a house guest for two days, Ferriston said, and I made his life a living hell, and he left. (laughs) 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 I don't know any more than that. Spike also once took his car to a discount parking lot, and his door wouldn't lock, and when he picked it up, he found discarded condoms inside. It turns out the prostitutes had been operating in the car, so that is from someone's real life, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, the cafe scenes were filmed outside the CBS Studio Center commissary in February 27th of 1996. The ending of George's story was cut. In deleted footage, Susan doesn't believe him, I guess, again, when he tells her that the parking lot owners wouldn't let him take his car. And George unsuccessfully tries to turn her mistrust once again into a breakup. In another cut scene, Jerry, at Kramer's suggestion, goes around town gauging people's reactions to the crest on his jacket only to bump into Kenny Banya wearing the same jacket. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that would have been pretty funny. (laughs) Uh, The clothing store's policy of not allowing purchases to be returned for the sake of denying a sales clerk his commission was cited in Clancy versus King. So I guess that means in 2008, they cited a Seinfeld case in this weird case of someone wanting to return something so a sales clerk didn't get his commission. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah, i know weird wait the the, uh, the court case was in 2008 and they they cited yeah. the seinfeld episode i guess so yeah that's what that's according to wikipedia that's what it says i know i i, I would like to read the whole court case to see what they said well precedent's been set as you can see by this made-up store in a sitcom you know a situation comedy uh, i have no <laughs> idea um, the the last thing I want to mention uh, is that maybe this falls under news, but I am expecting my Jiffy Park shirt any day now. Yes, and I ended up with the Etsy one because I I looked at like probably seventy Jiffy Park shirts, and some of them are like <laughs> laughingly bad. Some of them use like Times New Roman, and they look like they were made <laughs> in like MS Paint. I'm like, oh my god! It's like they didn't even try. And some of them, I was like, oh, the logo's up too high, and I was like, well, this one. It's a, I don't like a white t-shirt. So I actually uh, messaged the merchant. And I was like, hey, can I get it on any, any other color than white? And he's like, well, actually, and I could kind of tell this in the picture, but he was like, it's a it's a vintage white, which is more like a cream or an off-white. Okay. Like, That's good enough for me. So yeah, we both agreed better. in the episode that it was the most accurate of all of the, uh, you know, all of the Red Bubble Tea Public Cafe Press t-shirts. And so, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Did you, did you tell the seller that? Because that might be a bit of a boost. That it was the most accurate? Yeah. I will I will when I leave my review. I'll leave an okay. Etsy review. I <laughs> I try to do that. So yeah, I'll definitely do that. I'll be like, look, I've I've looked and I am a <laughs> I am a, a host of a Seinfeld podcast. I, I so am I a verified Seinfeld podcaster. <laughs> my opinion matters. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Uh, and that's all I got. Okay. Um any other news or anything? I don't think so. Not that I saw. Okay. All right, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last, let me look at my laptop, well, 29-ish minutes, uh, Uh, being pretty much just research from the last episode. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the following week as though we are giving ourselves homework. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating or a written review uh, wherever you listen to this show uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, which we are now able to be uh, listened on. I, I think they All do right. reviews as well. So now you can say, Alexa, play No Hugging, No Learning and. Something other than her telling you, I don't know what that is, will happen. <laughs> or playing some random song called No Hugging, No Learning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, when you say that, our podcast should play, which is kind of cool. Um, but if you leave a review, or hell, if you just want one of these uh, awesome holographic No Hugging, No Learning stickers, uh, we just need a mailing address somewhere to send this out to. We haven't had a good uh, Apple Podcasts review in a long time, so if you would like to send one our way, please do so, and I'll uh, I'll send out some stickers. Um, and I just want to mention really quick that Ted does not have to pick a fight with Jeff Bezos because Amazon Music uses the selected 
uh, episode artwork instead of just the generic no hugging, no learning logo. (laughs) Thank goodness we can avoid that. (laughs) Oh, thank Christ. God. Like, look, if I'm fighting, like, lowly podcast apps, that's one thing. That's like Homer facing off against the bums. But me going against Jeff Bezos is literally Homer against Dredrick Tatum. (laughs) And it, it, this is, it organizes it by season. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, Apple, if I click on- Apple does that, too, and so does so does Spotify, I think. I didn't know that. Well, season one, it, it, we may not have had episode art in season one because it it's not pulling anything. No, we, we didn't have episode-specific artwork until our first Christmas special, How Murray Saved Christmas, because I, I wanted uh. to differentiate it a little bit, and then I just started yeah. doing episode artwork after that. So we went for uh, about six months, six, seven months. Without doing uh, episode maybe. artwork, so you're saying that Apple Podcasts differentiates it by actual season of the TV show as well? Well, it, it differentiates it by season of our show, but uh, the the seasons and episodes of our show, except for the last couple episodes of season seven, have been exactly the same as Seinfeld. Yeah, well, I'm like when I hit season four, it brings me to like season four, episode one. And then all the way up till season four, episode twenty-two, and then yeah. I can go to season five. And but that's not the same. That that's the number of the. Oh wait a minute. Well, this is weird. It it mislabeled. Like the outing is listed as the beginning of season five. Ah, weird. It seems like uh, there's a little <laughs> bit of it, it. Put a random season four episode in the at the beginning of season five. But oh. still, I think that's cool. I never noticed that. <laughs> all right. Well, there are, there are some. Uh, there are some episodes that just don't have a season and episode number, like our yeah. Christmas specials or yeah. our uh, mini uh, life change hiatus episodes. Those mm-hmm. those don't have anything. So yeah. if you're if you're organizing yeah. by uh, season and episode, sometimes those won't have a home. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All that being said, season seven, episode nineteen, the Calzone. Original air date, uh, April 25th, 1996. I was three years, four months, and five days old. Tim, if you are counting this episode and every other episode we have left, we've got 48 episodes until we become a uh, domestic poltergeist podcast. Like, we're, we're not going to travel to any, like, uh, abandoned insane asylums. Uh, we're not going to travel to anything. We're just going to discover what ghosts we have in our houses. Oh, I like it. I like I don't have to leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the best part. You don't have to leave your own house. Okay, so if you are looking in TV Guide the night of April 25th, 1996, you are going to see... Oh, boy. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll just read it. You know what? I'll just, just read it. Uh, As George gets his boss hooked on calzones, Kramer develops an addiction to freshly dried clothes, semicolon, Jerry dates a woman of unusually persuasive beauty, and Elaine falls for a man's clever dating tactics. (laughs) Fuck is that awful. Holy shit. I think it's perfect. (laughs) Oh my god. It's it's twice as long as it needs to be. Maybe longer than that. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what uh, what you want to lose because honestly, <laughs> it's exactly the kind of thing that I love uh, coming up with. So. It's, it's the it's the exact type of description you would write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Let's it. see. We we need to we need to cover all of the bases in here. Yeah. The only thing it's not it doesn't have is Newman. Yeah, yeah. I'll add Newman to the end <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> Have a five facet ca- uh, episode description. Jesus, I'll just I'll say George requires Newman's help when I'll, I'll do it right now. When his boss, blah blah blah. Spoiler alert. Oh and my god, that's it. I'm gonna add to it later. <laughs> uh, all right, we start with a stand up bit. And if you are in the food service industry and you make less than minimum wage and uh, require tips to fill in the gap, there, Jerry Seinfeld <sighs> says, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, th- this is, I think, the most uh, real Jerry thing ever. Oh, yes. Oh, you know Jerry does not tip. Oh, no. Oh, you know Jerry Seinfeld, the man, does not tip. <laughs> oh, my. I'm, I'm giving you money. Get to, I don't know where that money's going, but uh, you can take some. Get them to give you that money that I'm giving you. I'm not giving you any more money. I've already paid for what I've. Oh, my gosh. So it's basically like, have you been to these places where the tip jar is just for them turning around? And I guess he's like, kind of like talking like a lunch counter, kind of like Paisano's is going to be later on. Like you, you, 
They turn around, they get your food as if someone back there didn't prepare it or whatever. Like, I don't know what Jerry yeah. wants, like a blow job for a tip. Is that, is that enough, Jerry? Like, what do they have to do? <laughs> like, in, like if you want to see them make the food, get there earlier. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, so the tip jar is just for turning around and also not assaulting customers. Like, that's the, he, like, that's what he feels like is, you know, oh, people are giving tips just for not getting beat up. By uh, by the clerk, like what? No, Jerry. Yeah, oh my like, god! Like someone, someone with this philosophy uh, probably should get beaten up by the person yes. giving giving their food to them. Yeah, yeah. Like, be a more out of touch rich guy, please. Holy, Just feel fuck. a little bit more of that, please. Oh, I can't wait to hear your bit about how uh, you know valets are the scum of the earth, and like, what are we paying them for? Just to uh, park my car? Let me go park. I mean, I don't want to go park it, but let somebody, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear Jerry's bit about, like, uh, paid pornography. Like, why would I pay <laughs> to watch porn? There's Pornhub for free. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, there's that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we start with a stand-up bit, as usual. Uh, then we open up in Yankee Stadium, and there's a meeting taking place, and George is eating a calzone. Uh, and with his hands, how do you eat a calzone? Let me just stop right there. Um, I I eat it with my hands. I, I will typically like. Well, you know, it depends on how big and greasy it is. Um, yeah. if it if it's a manageable size, uh, I'll eat it with my hands. But if it's like uh bigger, I, I can definitely tell this is going to be a mess if I eat it with my hands. Then I'll grab a fork and a knife. Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly a knife or fork guy. Maybe towards the end, I'll start picking it up. Yeah. Once, like, you know, sometimes those toppings, like, you'll hit a, you'll hit oh a topping pocket, and you'll be like, oh, no, we're, we're not going to make it through this. It, this, is, this is going to be all on my face if I yeah. do it with my hands in my mouth. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes you're trying to dip the calzone in the marinara cup that they give you, and that doesn't work. I find it's much easier to take a bite, dip the bite on my fork, and then put that in my mouth. I just feel like it's a more couth way to do it. But no one's ever accused of George of eating in a couth way. You know, having manners when he's eating. <laughs> no one's ever accused George of that. Sorry, I'm, I'm over here just still laughing at my own joke of this is all going to end up on my face if I do it with my hands in my mouth. Uh, <sighs> Son of a bitch. you leave a nice tip. <laughs> uh, well, Steinbrenner demands a bite of George's calzone, which I think is overstepping boundaries. Yeah, holy ball. shit. But I love just how eccentric that makes him, too. Is this where he's... Does he call himself, before or after he eats the calzone, does he call himself Big Stein? Big Stein. I think it's after. Maybe maybe it's... I don't know. Yeah, it's it's all over the scene. It's definitely after, but I didn't know if it was before as well. Okay. Yeah. So, after he has a bite of this eggplant calzone... George Steinbrenner cancels the meeting because he has to get, have George go get uh, a <laughs> calzone for him. It was the same thing. And I loved his delivery. Big Stein needs an eggplant calzone! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I feel like we can't really skip over the thing George was bringing up in the meeting. A thing you and I have talked about before was the length of stall doors in restrooms. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, Major League ballparks are some yeah. of the worst. You're lucky you get a door. Yeah, yeah, Steinbrenner's like, when I was in the army, you're lucky you get a door at all. Like, oh, God. Could you imagine Yankee Stadium not having doors on their toilets? Unfortunately, yes. A bunch of drunk <laughs> Yankees fans, like, just pissing wherever they want. I, I think I can imagine that, actually. It, it's like, uh, I don't know if you watch Big Mouth. It's like the toilet is a suggestion. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I, I swear, when I went to Wrigley Field, they had a trough that you could stand on either side of. So you're oh, facing no! Why? Who's also pissing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> why? Like, this doesn't make any sense. If you're going to have a trough, which, A, don't, but B... No. It has to be mounted on the wall. There's only one direction to pee into a trough. You would think. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So over in Jerry's apartment, Superman's on the shelf and the fridge still. And Elaine is having dinner with Todd Gack. And he bet her that Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars. And so the bet was that the loser has to buy dinner. And Jerry gives a knowing, huh. 
It seems like he uh, has figured something out about Todd Gack that Elaine has not yet, mm-hmm. but he is keeping his cards close to his chest. I'm surprised that the Jerry character has seen Star Wars, uh, given with how contrarian he is to everything else. Like, I, I don't know how big Star Wars hype was after the first trilogy ended, and especially yeah. in 96, it had been over for a while now, and, right. uh, and the prequel hadn't started yet. So I, I don't know what the level of hype was, but it seems like Jerry would be like, mm, everyone's talking about it. I don't need to see it. Yeah, yeah. Or just outright disparaging it. Like, yeah. oh, you mean the thing that adults like that is for little kids or whatever? You know, yeah, that, kind of that that's that's the type of attitude I would expect him to have. <laughs> yeah. Kramer comes in and he's wearing clothes that are fresh from the dryer, which is a great feeling. I used to love that oh, as yeah. a kid. I, I, I can't think of the last time I did it because normally I'm doing... I'm not doing laundry at the same time I'm getting dressed, but oh, it's Be- the best. Best is like a blanket on a really yeah. cold winter day. Yes. Yeah, right from the dryer. Mm-hmm. And Kramer says, I'm only dressing this way from now on, <laughs> wearing clothes fresh out of the dryer. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry has a date with Nikki, who is quite a beauty, as Kramer says. And Jerry says she's also very bold. And then just to drive the point home, Kramer says, oh, bold and beautiful. <sighs> Uh, yeah. Which hey, hey, did you know that's a name of a show? Say! Whoa! That's humorous that it came up in conversation. Wow! Uh, back over at Yankee Stadium, Steinbrenner and George are eating calzones in Steinbrenner's office, although Steinbrenner calls <laughs> it a pita pocket. <laughs> well, technically, he, he doesn't refer to the whole thing as a pita pocket. He he just refers to the crust as a pita pocket, because like all the grace and the toppings fall into the yeah pita pocket of the calzone i guess i suppose i don't like the word pita in there though i feel no. like that designates a certain type of bread that pizza yeah. dough is not is is this the same day is is this george's second calzone of the day that he's eating <laughs> i'm gonna say yes because <laughs> like they ended the meeting abruptly and george left the next thing we yeah. see is george is in steinbrenner's office eating a calzone so like i i, I can't imagine this is the same calzone <laughs> Yeah, no, he probably because well, Steinbrenner tells him to buy two calzones when he sends him out of the yeah. meeting, and I was like, well, maybe the both of those are for Steinbrenner, but I think one was for George and one was for George Steinbrenner for for Big Stein. Big Stein needs the next plant calzone, and Steinbrenner is about to nix the lost and found of the stadium, but George changes his mind, saying it's it's probably a good idea, <laughs> and so he uh, reverses course and says, yeah, lost and found, but with a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> what lost and found doesn't have a time limit. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the time limit is maybe not enforced a lot of times, but every so often it's like, hey, uh, I think everything from lost and found's been there a while. Just go ahead and dump the box. It's yeah, full. I feel like, like hey, hey, take this, full. take this to Goodwill. It's all been here for like yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah. Just when the box is full is the normal time limit, but there's got to be one like written down like thirty days. Or I I don't know if you have done this, but like I have seen items in a lost and found that I know were not mine, but I have inquired about the time limit because I have wanted those items. <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> like definitely hey, when when, uh, when when do these get turned over to the public? Because because I would <laughs> like these and I would like not like to pay for them. Yes. Or you just get a good description of them and go, hey, I left my blank here later, <laughs> hoping they don't remember you. <laughs> uh, in Times Square, which is B-roll that we've seen before from November of 1992, because the bodyguard Malcolm X and Passenger 57 were all playing at the same mm. time. Passenger 57 nearing the end of its run. Uh, and it, it, also, this is um, about 40 blocks away from the theater we, that we know they always go to, which is the Lowe's Paragon. But... <laughs> For some reason, they always showed this United Artists in Times Square. <laughs> um, and Jerry and Nikki show up. They run into Elaine and Todd Gack. And Jerry and Nikki are seeing Means to an End, which is a great fake Seinfeld movie. And Elaine's like, oh, we were going to see that, but it sold out. So we have to go see Blame It on the Rain, which is another good fake movie title. <laughs> Not as good as Means to an End, but I think that speaks to the scene, you know, because obviously Blame It on the Rain is going to be the lesser motion picture. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry says to Nikki, why don't you see what you can do? And while Nikki is gone, Todd offers Jerry Cuban cigars because, hey, why not? It's the first time they've ever met. I think it may be the actual first thing Todd says to Jerry. Maybe the second. <laughs> but I think when Jerry says, oh, who do you think was in Star Wars? Sammy Davis Jr.? Todd just kind of like chuckles. I don't think, I think literally the first thing Todd says to Jerry is, 
I'm going hey. to Canada. Do you want me to bring you Cuban cigars? Well, it's uh, it's like, hey, Jerry, you a cigar guy? I'm going to Canada. Would you like me to? So there, there's like literally <laughs> one line, one exposition before <laughs> offering to get him Cuban cigars. It's, hey, Jerry, are you a cigar guy? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm going to Canada. Let me go. I, so, I mean, I I can if you're going to get me a box of Cuban cigars. I can be a cigar guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a shot. Uh, and so Todd will bring them back, and J- Jerry has planned. You know, he's like, oh, that was supposed to be great for George's wedding. And Todd's like, all right, I'll give them to Elaine. Uh, meanwhile, Nikki returns with tickets to Means to an End. And I love Jerry's line here. Where he's like, enjoy. And, like, he can't think of the name and, like, kind of cocks it. He's like, Blame it on the rain? He says it with like such disgust. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing Todd and Elaine both thought that Nikki was getting tickets for them. Is that right? Is, well, it, do you think do you Elaine think that's why that. do you think that's why Todd like offered the cigars? Because Jerry uh was gonna use uh the power of Nikki to get uh Todd and Elaine tickets to see means to an end. No, I think it's just for Another reason to see Elaine. Okay, I think it was okay. just a setup for that. Yeah. Okay. I think he saw. I think he saw an in to that next thing because Elaine does mention later, like, "Thanks for getting us tickets or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> um, and over at Monks, George and Jerry are there having lunch, and George has lunch now with George Steinbrenner every single day, and so he's involved in like every decision during that time. Also, George recounts a story to Jerry of tipping the guy at the calzone place but not getting credit for it. He looked away at the last second and no credit for the tip. And this is still so relatable, I feel like, today. If if I'm giving a tip, I want that visual credit for it, like, you know, at a bar or at a restaurant or anything like that. Yeah, that, that's why, that's why like, tips on a credit card where you have to, like, add it onto your receipt, that's the best way to tip because you know yeah. someone is going to have to adjust that on the card machine. Yeah, yeah. And Jerry, so here's another great line from Jerry. He's like, oh, so you're not a, you know... It, because cause Greg, uh, Greg, because George wants that. Uh, I don't know why I called him Greg. Close enough. George, <laughs> that's the porn. Uh, yes, Greg Costanzhole. Greg Costanzo, yeah. That, that, that's the porn uh, version. And Jerry's like, so you're not giving to the blind. He's like, not bills. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously coins would make noise and then he'd get credit for uh, giving to the blind. Well, Jerry tells George about Nikki getting whatever she wants because she's beautiful. And George is getting upset. At beautiful women, he he runs into incel territory here, uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Not as much as in George. Not as much as George's past, but we get a little bit. Remember when we used to like really get that from George? Oh like, yeah. Like women were wrong for, for whatever you know yeah, for not being yeah. with him. Well, what did uh, what did I call it before? It was like uh, uh, George women owe me sex. Costanza yeah. is that what I called it? Something like that, yeah. It was, oh, it was very much God. Like that. He's <laughs> dipping his toes back into that pool, but not completely, not completely. Because he's, he's honestly taking a little bit of responsibility for it, at least at this point. Because I love the line where Jerry's like, she's like a beautiful Godzilla. And, Jer- and George goes, and I'm thousands of fleeing Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought that was very self-aware. You know, I, I like that. Back up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer has all of his change on Jerry's table. Jerry's table is just covered with coins uh, because Kramer is looking for quarters. Meanwhile, Elaine comes in so he can do his, uh, uh, you know, get dressed in the dryer or from the dryer. Yeah. Uh, Elaine, Elaine comes in and says, hey, thanks for getting us tickets, by the way. And we get Jerry, oh, dot gif. This is another, the second episode in a row. Wow. We've had a very famous Seinfeldian gif. Yeah. Where he like, oh, he like pumps his fist down and like feign <laughs> disappointment in himself and jerry who is by the way wearing the jay leno denim on denim collection did you notice this i didn't notice this oh my god uh, denim shirt with jeans always a great always a great look <laughs> maybe he was maybe you know it's the canadian tuxedo some people call it maybe he was inspired by um all he needs is a jean jacket to complete the canadian Hell tuxedo. Yes. maybe he was inspired by todd's trip to uh to canada <laughs> well he informs elaine speaking of todd uh, of todd's game making a bet he knew that he'd lose just to get a date with Elaine. It's a dating loophole. And Elaine points out that she's meeting him to get Jerry's cigars, and he says that's another dating loophole, uh, you know, tying her into this errand that he had to do later on. And Elaine's not buying it. Over at Paisano's Pizza, which is not real, Aww. it is a building, yeah, it's actually Joe's Pizza, which is still there, surprisingly. 
Uh, it's at 7 Carmine Street. Interestingly enough, not far from the Comedy Cellar. Like a like a block and a half away from uh, the Comedy Cellar. Hmm, okay. And Joe's, Joe's Pizza is still there. And it's one of these restaurants in New York City that is open from 10 a.m. until 4 a.m. They're only closed for six hours a day. At, at that point, why even close? Be, be a 24-7 pizza place. Uh, then again, uh, I don't know when Last Call in New York is. I, I know Last Call here for bars is typically 2 a.m. I think it's 3 or 4 for New York, right? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that makes sense. But I mean, on, on Thursday and Friday, they close at 5 a.m. <laughs> so they're only closed for five hours between Thursday and, and Friday. I'd hate to be the person who has to clopen, who has to close no, one night and no. then open the next day. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pulling a 19-hour. There probably are. I mean, it, it probably is like kind of one of these family places that, like, they probably are. there probably are people that are just there for, you know, 21 hours a day. Oh, probably. Jeez. Yeah, I, I slept in the cooler. I, I put my jacket on and slept with the pizza dough. Oh my gosh! Uh, and George tips again. It makes a big show of it, <laughs> saying that you know I'm Italian. That kind of makes us paisanos, and I always take care of my paisanos. And like right when he is about to drop the tip in, the pizza guy is called away. <laughs> and so George, what was he trying to do? He was he trying to get his dollar out to retip? That's probably what, that's what I thought. It, it looked like yeah. he was like trying to grab it at first. Couldn't grab it, so then he had to grab the whole jar and yeah. trying to grab a single bill back to put it back in. But the guy turns back around as George has a hold of the jar and thinks he's stealing all the money. Yeah, and, and kicks him out and even threatens him with the um, giant spatula, whatever they call that <laughs> thing that gets the pizza in and out. Yeah, so George is now kicked out of Paisano's. Uh, back over at Yankee Stadium... Because this is the last calzone George will be able to get himself from Paisano's, he tries talking Steinbrenner into something different. Uh, for instance, corned beef he starts with. And then Stein, and then uh, Steinbrenner's like, that's uh, too fatty. As if a calzone yeah. is not. As if eating a calzone every <laughs> single day is the most yeah. lean meal you could ever eat. Cheese and pizza dough and whatever toppings are in there. Like Eggplant doesn't make it healthy. Yeah, just because there's eggplant on it doesn't mean it's, like, going to give you a six-pack and lower your cholesterol, Big Stein. Yeah, yeah. And the Chinese food is a no-go, too many containers. Uh, so Steinbrenner will not budge. He must have his calzone. I want to point out, uh, Big Stein says that he ate turkey chili in a bread bowl from 72 to 83. <laughs> so to show, like, wow. how, how stuck in his ways he is with his lunch. But... That's a really early adopter for a bread bowl, isn't it? Like, I, for some reason, I thought bread bowls just came along in the last, like, 25 years. Huh. I, I never really thought of it. But, yeah, the, the crazy thing is that Steinbrenner would eat his entire bread bowl, he says, too. I thought that was a feat. Like, yeah. when I have had bread bowls, like, I'll maybe tear some off, the, maybe eat the top, you know, if they leave the top on there, and maybe tear <laughs> some off the sides when I'm done, but... I never eat the entire bowl. Really? See, I do. Wow. <laughs> and I'll, I'll agree with Big Stein here. There's nothing like whenever you're done eating, <laughs> seeing the table. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, you did it. <laughs> Although, I don't know why he's not also eating it on a plate, because after a while, whatever's in the bread bowl is just going to spill out. Yeah, depending on when you start eating the bowl, <laughs> I guess. So over at Elaine's, outside of her building, Todd and Elaine had dinner for the cigar meetup because they were both hungry. And Elaine asked him about the bet, and he is—he gets very serious. And like uh, Elaine, that, that was a legitimate bet. <laughs> and uh, he's, she's like, "Oh, okay." And, he's, and then he asks if she wants to meet up on Saturday night, but he insists it's not a date. Why can't people just meet up? Why can't two people just meet up without you considering it a date? And Elaine's like, "Okay, all right." He always gets very defensive whenever she calls him on this weird little thing that he does. And she's like, okay, fine, yeah, let's do it. He's like, all right, pick you up at 8. So he's picking her up at the designated date time <laughs> on the designated date day. They're but it's not up. a date. It's not a date. It can't just two people meet up. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jerry has been pulled over somewhere, and he is very disrespectful to the police officer. And he was going 93 in a 55, but Jerry insists he was going well over 100 oh, at yeah. a certain point. The, uh, he get, and, gets yeah. gets out of the car. The cop is like, you know how fast you were going? Uh, and Jerry's like, a lot faster than that. You actually must have caught me whenever I slowed down around the curve. Yeah. And so he asked Nikki to bring the registration out. And when she gets out, the cop is speechless at her beauty. And, you know, she's like, 
officer, do you really have to give us a ticket? <laughs> and Jerry's like, all right, let's hit it. <laughs> I, another thing, another example in this episode that is not Jerry. What do you mean? Like, we've never seen him be, like, super comfortable in, like, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, you know? We, we haven't seen him act like this ever. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say that, yeah, he's being very, very glib and just like, you know, like I said earlier, just like straight up, he knows he's going to get out of it, so he's acting very confident in that fact. Just being a straight up jerk to the cop. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, all right, let's hit it. Uh, no ticket. Uh, back up in his apartment, Kramer has his shirt in Jerry's oven, and I like that Jerry goes like, what about you? Why can't you use your oven? I'm baking a pie, Kramer says. <laughs> <laughs> like an extra from the Andy Griffith show. I loved it. I'm baking a pie. Uh, and Jerry has the cigars, and they're actually from Peru. Kramer smells them, and he looks at the side. He's like, these are from Peru. And Jerry's <laughs> like, I paid $300 for these. Woof. Uh, yeah. Uh, and George comes in, and he is panicking about Steinbrenner and the Calzone. And I love the line. Uh, he fires people like it's a bodily function. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and he's like, Jerry, you can't get someone else to buy it because then they'll be having lunch with George Steinbrenner eventually. And mm -hmm. Jerry, you know how office politics work. And Jerry goes, uh, no, I never had a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, we see Kramer take his shirt out of Jerry's oven, and it looks like a child-sized medium on him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It like comes. It's like a very. It's like midriff shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely only comes to like his lower rib. Yeah, and uh, Kramer does know Paisanos. It's the place by the stadium. Uh, actually, as I mentioned earlier, it's more like ten miles from Yankee Stadium. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, it be like right, a thirty-minute drive right by the stadium. It's it's the same thing. Right by the stadium. Yeah. Because uh, I know in this universe, I guess, is not Joe's Pizza. but uh, And Newman's, it's actually on Newman's mail route. And George is off to go talk to Newman about that. And I, I love the button on this scene. If the bold and beautiful one was an awful button, this one's great because Jerry's like, hey, what kind of pie are you making? And then, again, Kramer goes, Huckleberry. <laughs> like, just a very excited, childlike way. <laughs> Jumping a little bit to the end of the episode, I'm upset we didn't get any uh, any reprise from the pie. Yeah, it would have been nice if they were both sitting yeah. there eating pie. <laughs> like, if, if that was, like, the ending scene somehow. Yeah. It, even if it just showed anything with Kramer eating a pie, I, I would have loved yeah. it. But, it, oh, well, it, I guess we don't need yeah. it. Jerry sort of yeah it's it's not it's it's not like it ever needed to be resolved but it would have been funny if especially if Jerry like would have kind of in his delivery of like oh this is a good pie like relented and like yeah I'm I'm glad you were using my oven and cooking this pie in yours because <laughs> it is good you know that kind of thing uh, over at Newman's the first thing I noticed is he has a giant poster of a Tyrannosaurus Rex in his apartment oh my god I didn't notice that. Yeah, and when was Jurassic Park? Was that like 94? Uh, I think it was earlier than that. Yeah, so had he already been in it? Uh, 1993, yeah, so he had already been in. Uh, it has to be a reference. To, oh, 100%. has to be a Nedry reference. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and Newman agrees to George's terms for buying the calzones and delivering them to Yankee stadium every day, but on terms. And those are, he wants a calzone of his own and a slice of pepperoni pizza and a soda. And three times a week, he'll require a cannoli. And George thinks that's a little steep, but he's in a bind. And so he begrudgingly agrees to the deal. Uh, we, we get a great evil laugh from Newman uh, before it's revealed that he is sitting on a fork. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, over at O'Neill's, which was at 49 West 64th Street, uh, an Irish pub near Lincoln Center. It closed in June of 2010, though. Oh, wow. Uh, a, a victim of the uh, economy at the time mm -hmm. and, and the, the downturn and the, uh, uh, what do they call it, the uh, re recession yeah. uh, at the time that was going on. So, yeah, it closed in 2010, and it is it became and is still now Atlantic Grill, which is a seafood. I think it's part of a larger chain it may be it may be hmm. the only atlantic grill around but i think it's owned by a restaurant group that owns a bunch of other restaurants instead of just like a you know a, a chef or one restaurant tour uh so yeah atlantic grill seafood place and elaine and todd walk in to get their table for a party of four and elaine's like party of four who's joining us and that's when who walks in the door mom dad todd's mom and dad 
making Elaine question even more what's going on in this situation. <laughs> because after dinner, as Todd's parents are saying goodbye to him, his mom gives him a kiss on the cheek and goes, she's wonderful. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. And Elaine insists. She's like, this is a date. Who? And Todd's like, why can't you meet someone's parents without calling it a date? <laughs> yeah, he, he even says, they're nice people. I thought you'd like them. I know. <laughs> as if that's yeah, the true. one thing that he was trying to do you know like yeah. oh my parents are nice elaine is nice they'll get along perfectly <laughs> my parents are cool i'll invite them out with my friend in her 30s like <laughs> who i'm trying to get with <laughs> but it's not a date it's not a relationship but it's not a date yeah and they both part ways at the door and elaine's like no nah, i'm just gonna walk home and todd's getting a cab and when they say goodbye, he goes in for a kiss, <laughs> like on the lips, like at the end of a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And back up in Jerry's apartment, George is, uh, is not at Jerry's apartment. We're outside of Newman's apartment in Jerry's apartment building. And George is dropping off the money for the week when he hears Newman inside and he's not at work. And Newman says he doesn't work in the rain. And I, <laughs> I love it. He's like, George is like, you're a mailman. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow. It's the first one. <laughs> and so Newman was only supposed to deliver the calzone when he does his route. And he's not doing his route today. So uh, he doesn't have to deliver the calzones. But he still takes the money. And we get a good <laughs> Newman from George. Yeah, we uh, Newman just like yoinks it away. It's a, it's a really <laughs> satisfying e-yoink. Yeah, because George is like, but I'm paying ya. And he's like, oh, right. Thank you. Yoink. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he slams the door in George's face. And we get it. Yeah. He gives us a great. <laughs> uh, back up in Jerry's apartment. Jerry asks if Nikki would pay Todd a visit to perhaps get a refund of his $300 for the Peruvian cigars. Uh, George asks. Uh, George uh, knocks on Kramer's door. And he's needs Kramer to go get the calzones. And I love that Kramer knows. He's like. Oh, right. It's raining. He knows that Newman doesn't work in the rain. <laughs> oh, right. It's raining. Of course, Newman's not working. Uh, so Kramer says, no problem. And he's going to pay with all of the change that he has been, uh, you know, uh, that he has that he wants to get rid of now because, uh, you know, obviously there's no quarters or anything like that. So he is walking down the street, his cargo pockets bursting at the seams with coins and he starts running to grab the bus uh, which first of all i thought kramer had a car and he didn't like taking the bus because yeah. that's why he has a car um but as he goes running for the bus pockets are bursting change goes everywhere it was in his jacket it was it's just dumping like liquid all over the sidewalk and he falls he slips in it and falls down but he finally makes it to paisano's and he orders the calzones and then he marvels at the pizza oven and asks the guy for a favor because he's soaking wet right now of course <laughs> uh, over at monks todd is sitting with nikki as uh, who walks in elaine elaine comes in and sees todd sitting with nikki and nikki says what does the m stand for in nixon uh nixon's name richard m nixon and elaine says millhouse and uh, nikki's like ah oh, todd thought it was mo you owe me a dinner and Elaine looks at Todd and he like kind of shrugs because the jig is up on his dating loophole and he's sort of cheating on Elaine with it, but they weren't really dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gives her like a, I'm a stinker. Kind of, ain't, kind of like, ain't I the you worst? Got <laughs> you got me. You got gacked. <laughs> well, oh, no. <laughs> you just got gacked. <laughs> Isn't that what Nickelodeon called their slime that they would like sell in stores gack i think yeah, it was something nickelodeon yeah nickelodeon gack i think it has to be <laughs> nickelodeon gack yeah yeah g-a-k yeah it was Hell like yeah. i guess it was just slime yeah nickelodeon gack oh it looks like you can still buy it on amazon for 15 bucks that seems like a good <laughs> deal are they still making nickelodeon brand gack or is this some off-brand <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I can't open it up for some. It reason. might just be. But yeah, I thought. I thought that sounded. It familiar. might be. It might be the same gack, but it's definitely not new. It's probably old. Yeah, yeah. It's probably all dried up in the case when you when you buy it. <laughs> I just had a really dumb joke. It's gone from gack to guck. Oh. <laughs> uh, so back <laughs> over at Pisano's. Probably, probably the worst joke I've ever made on this show. <laughs> 
Uh, Kramer's clothes have been all burned up in the pizza oven. And the, the guy from Paisano goes, what the hell do I know about cooking a shirt? <laughs> so you can't blame him. <laughs> uh, and Kramer starts unloading pennies to pay onto the counter at Paisano's. And Kramer has a very Italian fight with the guy uh, about the fact that he's not going to oh. pay with Jane. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how to feel about this. Like, th- this is on the same level as I'm sure you've seen the Family Guy clip where he's uh, uh, pretending to be Italian because he has a mustache and he's uh, just yeah. yells "Baba da Boopy" over and over. But yeah, but the the way I wrote this in my notes was wants to pay in pennies. Want bills instead. Indistinct Italian-sounding yelling. Yikes! Gets kicked out without calzones. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yelling like what sounds like Italian words, but it's definitely just. But yeah, it, w- at one point, at one point, Kramer's definitely just going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it it toes a line. I don't know. I I think it's on the safe side, but maybe it's not. Italians, let us know. Uh, back over at Yankee Stadium, Kramer shows up with no calzones, and he throws his ruined clothes into the trash near the air system return. And George remarks that he smells like Paisano's because he had his uh, clothes in the oven. And George heads to another Italian place on Jerome, which I looked up. He's referring to Jerome Avenue, which is about a block away from Yankee Stadium. Uh, and... He, he, we fade to the vent in Steinbrenner's office, and he's hangry. He's yelling at someone on the phone. He even fires them. Uh, but then he's like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. No, you're not fired. Uh, he's yelling about when the last time he had a pimple was, which is odd. Uh, why that would come up with an employee um, who, w- w- what was their job, and how did that, how yeah, did that come up? Yeah, I, I, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, maybe he's like, was, was ranting at like the New York Post or something that printed like, you know, Steinbrenner's shine, more like Scheinbrenner and like zoomed in on a zit he had or something. Steinbrenner, um, more like Stybrenner. Yes, yeah, yeah. And he was calling to like complain about that. But then when he fires them, I was like, oh, he must work for them. Or maybe he's just the kind of guy that would try to fire somebody that doesn't even work for him. That probably is, <laughs> is part of his character as well. <laughs> but he, he did it because he's very hangry, just as George suspected. You know, he just fires people randomly, when he, especially when he's hungry and mad. So he, he smells calzone coming through the air system, and he runs off in search of George, who he knows is somewhere with his calzones because it's one fifteen and George is late. Uh, back up in Jerry's apartment. Jerry and Elaine are smoking the awful Peruvian cigars. George, I like Jerry says it's like trying to smoke a chicken bone. And Elaine <laughs> describes it later as a rubber fire. <laughs> and Nikki, they both got, well, dumped. I don't know what Elaine got because they weren't really dating, according to Todd. But Nikki and Todd are together. And this never would have happened if, you know, he hadn't sent Nikki to get his money back. And Jerry, meanwhile, has promised he would walk her dog for her which elaine you know kind of takes him to task for but he was like well i don't she, she explained it to me and by the end i had to agree that it was uh, something i had to do <laughs> which like both todd and nikki then i'm guessing see each other as being better than jerry and elaine wow which i i could um i could make the argument for for one case but i i guess i don't know but it's it's weird yeah yeah, I think so. It, it, it's an odd pairing. Jer- because... Jerry is loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, 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 we talk about this every single week. Yeah, and I don't know how long... Like, someone like Nikki isn't going to put up with Todd's weird dating game no, for very long. No, absolutely like. not. You know, like, it fooled her once, and I guess now they're to- together. But maybe they maybe he did actually take the leap and say, you know, do you want to go on a date? I want to date you, or whatever. <laughs> maybe. Because it seems like the way Elaine and Jerry are talking is like they are together. They're a couple, you know. But maybe Todd's just pulling his same shit and there's no escape from it. Elaine asks if he if Jerry ever paid for the cigars. And Jerry says, actually, it's being taken care of right now. Cut to Kramer knocking on an apartment door. And Todd Gack answers. And I, he goes, you Gack, here's your money. And he, like, chucks this giant <laughs> sack full of change at Todd Gack, uh, which knocks him over. And we get one more little segment of George's office being ransacked by Steinbrenner. And George comes in oh, explaining about the clothes. And Steinbrenner loves the idea of hot uniforms. And so he proposes doing it with the uniforms before every game, putting them in the dryer. So the, the muscles are loosened up and the 
the players will be more comfortable. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, what do we got for homework this week? You know, I didn't write anything down. Wow. Really? Pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of like really small stuff that we just kind of encountered throughout yeah. talking about yeah. it. Like the like the Jurassic Park connection. Yeah. Um right. Uh what do you like this week for cover art? Hmm. That is a tough one. I didn't make Something a note of anything. Hmm, maybe. The uh indistinct Italian sounding yelling, maybe. <laughs> That's uh, good, yeah. I mean that'd be a good or, you know, or George and the tip, like, with his dollar in the air. There might be a good wide shot of that. I don't know. Something Ma- like that. Maybe there's a good shot of George sitting down with Stein eating the calzone. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I'll I'll look for something. I, I didn't make a note of anything, so I'm going yeah. to have to just uh, kind of look through. Um, okay. So let's see what we can do about the description. Okay. So we had... As George gets his boss hooked on calzones, Kramer develops an addiction to freshly dried clothes, semicolon, Jerry dates a woman of unusually persuasive beauty, and Elaine falls for a man's clever dating tactics. I couldn't even do it in one breath. <laughs> All right, what do you, uh, you want to do? <laughs> okay, why the fuck do we need Kramer and his clothes in here? That's a sea story at best. Yeah, I mean, it does lead to... It does weave its way through the storyline because that's how his clothes end up in the oven. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, but the I, I thing guess we is, don't need it. But the thing is, if Newman was just uh, out uh, from doing his route that day, George still could have asked Kramer to go to Paisano's, and Kramer still could have done literally anything to get kicked out of Paisano's because yeah. he's Kramer. Yes, that's true. That's true. So you want to get rid of that? Yeah, get rid of that completely. Okay. Um, All right. And, and also, I don't think we need Jerry in there. I, I think George and Elaine are the two main points of this. Okay. Because I'll, I'll Jer- agree with that. Because Jerry gets wrapped up in Elaine's story. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we have left? George? Uh, George gets his boss hooked on calzones, and Elaine falls for a man's clever dating tactics. I like it. Okay, just keep that? Yeah. All right. Easy good. peasy. Yep. All right, so next week we have got Season 7, Episode 20, The Bottle Deposit. Original air date, May 2nd, 1996. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jerry's mechanic steals his car, semicolon, Kramer plans to return used bottles to Michigan. I think this is a fan favorite episode coming up. Are Would- you familiar with any of it? No, nothing at all. Yeah. Which I'm, I, I, I think might be a felony to do. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, to bring <laughs> uh, cans and models across it, state lines for the money. Yeah, it, it's the uh, lowest like ranking crime that I think is still a felony. I think yeah, because it's it's interstate. Yeah, you're you're crossing state lines <laughs> to do something. I think you're right. I'm sure we're gonna have to look it up. Uh, is this pre homework or is this? Should we wait until? Oh, uh, let's just up? wait. Let's just wait because okay. if it, if it okay. doesn't come up in the episode, then we'll be like, okay, so Kramer's definitely a felon, then, right? <laughs> he's already been uh, yeah. he's already been thought to have been a murderer. Um, That's true. I don't know if they um, uh, you know talk about the legal aspects of it, but <laughs> I don't want to ruin any more. But there may be even another layer to it involving Ooh. federal property. That, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. 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 All right. But I'll, I won't. I won't divulge anymore. But I think this is a fan favorite. That com- that just those two storylines that you mentioned. I was like, whoa! I can't believe those are the same episode. So I think people are gonna love this one. And uh, I actually starred the Calzone, but I wrote I wrote low next to it because it, it hmm. followed such a great episode. I loved the Wigmaster so much. I was like, is this two in a row that I'm gonna star? That's like almost unheard of. Yeah. But I was laughing out loud a ton at this episode. And so I, I did star. We'll see if it, it, it may be first to get cut from the top seven and a half or whatever we end up doing. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll see. But I, I did I did enjoy it. Oh, man. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.